0: Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Okay, today's sermon text is from Matthew 5, 21 through 32. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Matthew in your Bible. You have heard that it was said in those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust... But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Thank you, Sam. Uh, that's
1: the word of the Lord. I want to say two things before we before we start. one, um, I do encourage you the the pancake dinner for the for the rock. Uh, there are four churches that that help make the rock happen and uh, we don't have a lot of budget money to allocate towards this ministry. And so it kind of runs on uh, volunteers and things like that. So uh, your participation in the pancake dinner, either uh, to come and eat some pancakes and donate a little bit of money, goes a long way in helping us to continue uh, that really important ministry uh, to our community. Um, The second thing is the Lenten lunch is also a good way to to kind of, um, I know everybody can't do it, but if you've got the time uh, to participate in the larger faith, uh, community of our of our town uh, to gather with Christians from other traditions and to share a meal and uh, to hear a little bit of uh, from the a word from the Lord. So it's uh, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer this this year, um, and I'll get to speak one of the weeks. And we're responsible for bringing the meal, and uh, but that's not till later in March for us anyway. Um, so if you're interested in helping with that and, and helping prepare some food, let me know. Um, I, uh, we've been studying matthew and sermon on the mount and uh, i realized today's passage can be and has been used in really guilt inducing kind of ways um if i were sitting in your spot uh i would i would kind of begin to shut down and like i'm not really going to listen to this guy because i don't know what to do with these passages of scripture and it's difficult and it just seems like it's too hard to do and it's and Right, because I, I have been in the past a rather angry person. Like, uh, apparently as a child, I was particularly angry, and my, uh, my sisters bore the brunt of that, um, even though I was the, the little one. And so, like, that, that's, that's difficult for me to be able to, like, uh, what, reconcile what Jesus is saying. Yeah, I haven't killed anybody, but, um, you know, I've, I beat up my sister. Although one time she dropped a baseball bat on my face when I had braces, and it got it all, yeah, that was bad. I probably deserved it. Um, anyway, so I, like Sesame Street and a whole bunch of other children's programming, they're always brought to you by like the letter of the day or the word of the day. The word of today, there's two of them, two words of the day. They are grace and faithfulness. Ultimately, what these three little bits of scripture are about, they're about what it means to be faithful to the people around us uh, and also they are a demonstration um, of God's grace working in our lives uh, so oh, in the Sermon on the Mount uh, we kind of begin before the sermon and we saw Jesus get baptized and then he calls a couple of disciples to follow him uh, and right after that uh, he begins to tell them who they are uh, and, and describe um, well, describe the, what is God doing for them and in them before we ever get to anything like don't murder or don't lust or don't whatever. Uh, that before that, that, God comes with a, a blessing, and he says blessings on you when you are poor in spirit, when you are brokenhearted, when you are um, all these other things that we, that we went to. Uh, we, we said that God begins with a promise to be with us and for us always. And this is before before we do anything that merits any kind of goodness. Uh, This is God's promise to be with us. And and God's coming to us to be part of us and and beginning to work in our lives to transform us um, helps us to be, as we saw in the next week, a salt and light. Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. Not you could be or you should be or you ought to be, it's you are same with the light, and, and we kind of dissected what it means to be salt. Salt flavors, and it preserves. Uh, light is meant for illuminating the darkness, showing the beauty and the goodness in the world, but always already as well, uh, illuminating the, the brokenness, and the places in which God needs to work in, in us and in the lives of others around us. And, and so we are the salt of the earth. We flavor, help flavor and preserve the world. We help to bring light and life into the places where we go. This is the reason the church exists. This is our calling. This is who we are. So we have a promise from God. We've been called first. We have a promise of God's faithfulness to us at the very beginning. We've got telling us what our job is to do, be salt and light. And now we kind of get some ways in which we might do those things. I said at the beginning of, of this um, a couple of weeks ago that uh, we'll be tempted, like I said, to kind of turn this off because it seems hard or impractical or it's just difficult. I think if we, if we latch on to those first two things, first two movements, that we are called and that we have been promised that God is with us and for us always. Then when we read these passages of Scripture, We can say, um, God is with me. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to do all that I can through God's spirit working in my life, his grace empowering me to to grow and to be more faithful. Um, We're going to, it starts uh, with, uh, let me see here. Starts with Jesus saying, "This you have heard that it was said to people of old." And this is my like paraphrase: uh, "You shall not kill, and whoever kills uh, will have to face judgment." So we'll, we'll stop right there for a second. Um, one of the things that God's people were all about was the law. Right? Uh, they had received the law from from God. Moses received that at the at the uh, Mount Sinai when after Egypt uh, Israel came up out of Egypt and. Uh, they had added on to it, though, too. And, and by the time we reached Jesus' day, there there were lots of interpretations of what it meant to follow God's laws, but they had also made all of these other rules and laws that you had to follow. And, and they thought that if they followed the law fully, that uh, God would send his Messiah and they would be restored as a nation uh, and salvation would come to them. Uh, but I think we... Well, that's not what happens, because we're never going to be able to fulfill the law fully. In fact, Jesus says um, he's not coming to take away the law, but to to fill it full, to help us truly understand what it means to be followers of God, what it truly means to be God's people in a broken world. Um, And so he starts out, you've heard it said, that it was said. You've heard that it was said. Um, And he's saying, all your life, you have gone to either the temple or to the synagogue, depending on where people lived. And Matthew's gospel is one of the most Jewish ones, and so he's he's talking to a whole bunch of people that are spread around the known world at the time. Uh, you've spent your whole time learning the law of God. Um, you've heard it said, but sometimes, Jesus is saying, your teachers got it wrong. Now, I don't Have you ever had this happen? Where, and maybe as you go from, like, elementary school to high school or from high school to college, um, you encounter a teacher who who teaches something or you read something in the book, and you're like, that's not how Miss Brown told me it was. You know, I don't know, pilgrims, maybe. Uh, Like, that's just, that's not, I don't think that's right. And your teacher might say, uh, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And it comes from a place of greater authority because I don't know, in public education, maybe the teachers are more educated at the elder level. I don't, I don't know how it works. Certainly moving from, from high school to college, there's there's a different level of education, right? And, and the people instruct you. And it's coming from a, a place of greater authority. And, and so, one uh, of the things that we have to pay attention to in this statement, and Jesus is going to, to use this statement quite often as we go forward. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, going forward. He says, But I say to you, whoever remains angry with a brother or sister will have to face judgment. Um, what we don't get in the English translation, uh, and we almost never get these things because we're, English is stupid, Um the I right here is emphasized, it's emphatic. And just like just like last week when we said the the was emphatic, like you are the, the salt, like you are the only one. Jesus is placing significant emphasis on the I and what, what his hearers would hear, what the disciples would hear, what Matthew's readers would hear um, in that statement. Uh, actually, it's I am, kind of how it ends up going. They hear God speaking to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses asks God, or yeah, when Moses asks God, I'm willing to go and talk to the Pharaoh, but I need to know who it is that's sending me. And God responds, "Uh, I am. Like, I am. The great I am is sending you. This becomes the basis for for Israel's name throughout uh, the rest of history. And he's saying, "I, I am God. And so Jesus, with these words on the lips of Jesus, Jesus is saying, I can say to you. You've heard it say, but I say to you because I'm God. Um, and, and I know it's difficult sometimes uh, to, t- Jesus is fully man, fully human. As we've begun to say at The Rock, he's 200%, right? He's 100%, he's 100% Jesus and he's 100% uh, human and he's 100% God. And so he's He's making this very, very authoritative statement saying, I am going to help you understand what it means to be God's people. Not so getting rid of the law, but we're going to fill it full. You're going to see it for what it should have been from the very beginning. Well, uh, we start with uh, murder, right? Um, that's, the, I think, the sixth commandment. And uh, you've heard it said, Uh, you shall not kill. Uh, But I say to you, whoever remains angry with a brother and sister will have to face judgment. Um, And whoever says to a brother or sister, you idiot, will have to face the high court. And whoever says you jerk, uh, you will have to face the fire of hell. Um, I don't want to get caught up in that. There's some linguistic things. Although, we'll we'll touch on it in in just a second. Um, One of the things that makes this anger is part of emotions, right? That's just, that's part of who we are as people. Um, and there are good uses for anger. Like, you can get angry when, when somebody abuses somebody else, or there's deep injustice, or uh, when your football team loses the Super Bowl. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, I mean, like, it would be impossible, I think, for us, not to be angry at times; it just happens. It's part of being in relationship because there's disagreement and things like that. Uh, but but uh, what's important here is, again, grammar. I don't know. Um, uh, whoever remains angry with the brother and sister—it's in the present tense—and it has the force of like whoever is uh, chooses to be, continue to be angry. Someone who carries it close to the chest uh, remains. It's it's not the anger that's just maybe ah, my child didn't do something right so I'm angry. Um, My wife didn't do something right or somebody did something awful and whatever. But it's the anger that you allow, that you hold on to. The one that that gets, works its way into, into your heart and your mind. And sometimes this is a conscious choice, right? Sometimes it feels good to be angry and to like hold that anger at somebody because it makes you feel like you've got a little bit of control. Uh, at least that's me. Uh, but this is this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I, I don't I don't just want you not to kill people. I want you not to harbor anger and resentment towards people. Uh, and, and the reason I think he ends up saying these things about you fool and you idiot is because when, when we when we harbor that anger, it always ends up coming out in some kind of way. Right? Maybe, maybe in some cases it ends up in murder. I think more often it ends up in uh, tearing some other person down. Maybe not even the person who uh, is the object of your anger. But just someone who gets in your way as collateral damage. Jesus is saying here's the intention of this law it's not just that you'll kill somebody but that as far as you can that you are forgiving and merciful and graceful And here's the word of the day faithful when, when we choose to let go of anger our ability faithful to the people we love and who are around us grows. One of the things you should do when you get angry is pray for the person who's made you angry because it's really, really hard to pray for someone and still be mad at them. Try it. Uh, Notice, though, that Jesus goes a little bit farther. So when you're bringing the gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has anything at all against you, Leave your gift right there in front of the altar and go first and get right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. I think, I think so much anger and worship are thrown together in this passage. I think not only does anger inhibit your ability to be faithful and graceful towards other people, it severely limits your ability to enter into worship. We say all around, all, all the time around here, we're we learning to love God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as our as ourselves. I don't know that you can love God without loving other people. Actually, I'm convinced of it. You can't. When we are angry, when we hold that. When we hold that anger and let it fester and build the resentment and lash out, we are we are breaking not only the relationship that we have with each other, we are breaking the relationships relationship that we have with God now I think we would say I think we would say okay I come to worship I get my Jesus fill and then I then I can go out and forgive but that's not what Jesus responds, uh, tells us to do here he's like uh, the person you have wronged and this can go both ways I think I've always read it as the person who has something against you um, who's done something to you but I think it's, it's not just that I think it's uh, the person that you have wronged as well. Uh, the reconciliation is supposed to happen, the forgiveness is supposed to happen before we worship. But before we come into the presence of God, as much as we can, we are try to let that go to make things right. Now I realize that there's anger you may have from people who are nowhere near and maybe they're dead and there's just no way that you can reconcile personally with them like Jesus is saying here. But I think there is and even if you can't let it all go that when you enter into worship which isn't just here, right? um, That we might say I'm angry help my anger. Um, Anyway, that's, uh, Jesus wants us to go and to reconcile. He he wants us to understand uh, that being the people of God is about forgiveness, about letting go of the anger that we might have. Kind of deeply personal stuff here. Uh, and we can't forget the the connection between worship uh, and and anger. Um, uh, so go for the next little section. You have heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery," uh, but I say to to you that anyone who is looking at another person in lust after him or her has already committed adultery in their heart. Now this one's a really tough one, right? Really, really tough. I think. Um, again another one of the Ten Commandments uh, again that you've heard it said all of your life um, but I say to you I'm God I can make this assertion it's not just it's not just that I don't want you to not be unfaithful to your, your partner it's that I want you to be even, even more faithful uh, let's unpack this just, just a little bit in the same way that, that anger is a natural feeling, right? You get angry. Uh, so is sexual desire, right? It, it's it's part of who we are as people, and that's not wrong. Um, it, it's tied in with our commandment, our uh, command to go forth and to be to, to be uh, fruitful and multiply. Um, and it would be impossible. I think to walk around the world every day and not notice the, the beautiful people who are around us. But in the same way as anger, like this thing that you might nurture, that you might hold, that God is really talking about, I think that that lust is this way as well. Uh, that it is that it is what you do when you when you might linger too too long. But by the way, I think in my growing up, this was always something that was only ever directed at men. Uh, I'm not a woman, so I can't say for sure. Um, but if statistics are things, if they're right, um, things like pornography are, are not just the sole domain, domain. think it's fairly split between men and women as far as people who view those types of things. It is the the lingering. And and part of what makes lust hard, well, part of what makes it uh, sinful is the fact that, that in doing that, you devalue the other person. You make them not just not in your own mind, in your own eyes, you strip them of their their status as beloved creatures of God, as as children of God who are who are loved and who God has saved and is restoring, and you make them something to be used only for your own uh, uh, well, they're an object. It doesn't matter that they're they're people. I think. Does something to us, perhaps. I think anger may be the same way. It's hard to love people if we think they're things and not actually people. <laughs> if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose your members, one of your members, than. Uh, for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it uh, away from you. It is better for you uh, to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go uh, into hell. I don't know if I've said this before. I worked with a lady who the rumor was that she took this commandment very literally. And it's probably untrue. But she didn't have one eye. And so that rumor spread. I don't know. I I say that to think, I don't don't think that, uh, I don't think that this is what Jesus is really telling us to do. I I don't think Jesus wants you to chop off your hand or to gouge out your eye or to cut out your tongue or whatever. I, I do think that what Jesus is saying is that these things, lust and anger specifically, they're important, that your response to them needs to be decisive. And it might even be just a little bit painful to reorder the way that you, the way that you view anger and you view other people. This, this is a tough one, right? But I think, again, I think Jesus would tie this to worship as well. are important how you look at people is important how you deal with people is important and if we're truly called to love god and others then lust and anger are seriously not things um well i won't say that we shouldn't do they're not things that we should do i have to recognize too at this point and and Laura helped me see this this morning. By the way, um, I think part of, part of what has resonated with me about Jesus saying, uh, you've heard it said, but I say to you, uh, that even when you dig into Scripture in a serious way, um, you spend time in it and you read it and you read things written about it, that you still may not see the things for, well, you may miss something. And I think Laura helped me with that this morning. Like, I've spent quite a bit of time in this, and she comes, and she had just read one little thing, and then she's like, some people can't make these choices for themselves. Like, like some people are are disabled in such a way that, that maybe maybe they are incapable of controlling their anger in the same way that you and I can control our anger. Or maybe they're broken in, in, in a certain way that... that they are unable to control uh, their thoughts towards the opposite sex. Is that a fair representation? I told you I'd call on you. I I think w- what I want to say with that is, I, I think we often make Christianity just like it's the gospel of personal responsibility. Like you are responsible for yourself, and and if you're not living well, uh, then you just need to make a choice not to do those things. And I think sometimes we can do that. But I think other times, maybe we can't. Uh, I won't, I don't, I'm not going to say that it, we're lost causes because of that, because I think the Spirit of God comes in us at those particular times and helps us, forgives us, is faithful to us when we fail, but also is working in the lives of those people who are, who are not quite able to do that for themselves, and offers grace and faithfulness even, even when when we're unable to do things correctly. Okay. Um, normally, when I read like uh, members, then for your whole body to go into hell, I add a dun dun dun. Because that's, that's kind of how we have, have read it and understood it. Uh, I, the way I want to understand hell is, uh, is the absence of, of God, the absence of the relationships that, that mean anything, the absence of, of love, the absence of grace, the absence of faithfulness. And I think when we carry anger and we carry lust, We do everything in our power to distance ourselves from people who matter. Does that make sense? You can argue with me later. Moving on. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife uh, should give a written document of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife for any other reason than sexual infidelity calls this to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. A uh, couple of things here, backstory, that, that help us understand what Jesus is saying. God's people, uh, early on, Moses, so like, okay, uh, you, you, can, you can get rid of your wife. By the way, if you were a woman, you couldn't, you couldn't divorce your husband, right? You could run away, but... Um, and you could dismiss your wife uh, but she's still technically married to you, and it, it cut off her ability to, to remarry or to have any kind of suitable life because if you're a, a single, already been married woman in Moses' day, like, nobody wants you. That's just the, that was the unfortunate reality of things. Uh, and so God allows Moses to say, hey, you can write these certificates of divorce uh, so that the woman is free. It was a justice issue. I primarily think that's what this is because, uh, and, and Laura again, a sentence that I thought I'd never hear anybody say: "I follow an Orthodox Jewish woman on TikTok." That's what she said this morning. And I was like, uh, and and apparently this is still a thing. Like that that um, even if they get a divorce in the eyes of the law, like if the husband hasn't given this like certificate. Of divorce to the woman, they they can't they can't remarry. Uh, anyway, that's that's kind of the backstory. I have also heard sermons where where preachers have taken these, this particular passage and like just run over anybody who's been divorced, and and I don't want to do that either because uh, that's not what this is about. I'm 100 convinced that this is. Again, about faithfulness. That's about justice. Um, That God is saying, well, maybe in the case of infidelity, that the actual divorce is only making kind of official the sad reality of the broken relationship that occurs maybe because of lust maybe because of anger. Either way, it's, it's connected with our relationships and our ability to be faithful to each other. Um, one of the things that I don't do as a, as a preacher is I don't really tell you like steps to be a good husband or a good father or a good wife or a good child. Um, Some people do that, and that's that's cool. Uh, Because I I think, I think the very root, if you want to be a good father, you will not carry around anger and feed it and let it fester. If you want to be a good father, you will not uh, linger where you should not linger. If you want to be faithful to the relationships around you, will not do those things right in the power of Jesus. Grace when we fail. If you want to be a good, you will not harbor and hold on to the anger. You will not linger where you should not linger. If you want to be a good husband and wife, same goes. The, The key, it's not magic. I don't think it automatically happens when we give ourselves to God in this way. I think the key to being, to being everything that God wants us to be in all of our relationships is faithfulness. And the absence of festering anger, the absence of of viewing other people as objects. I want to expand lust to be more than just sexual right I think it's we do this for all kinds of things things money power if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be if we are going to be the people that God has said I will be with you and for you always if we are going to be the salt and light of the world then we have to be faithful we have to be faithful to each other We have to be faithful to our family. We have to be faithful to our neighborhood. We have to be faithful to the other churches in our community. We have to be faithful to our our town, to our state, to our country, in the very best ways that means. Anyway, I think that's what I have today. I'm sorry if it was hard and if it, if it seems impossible. But the other word of the day was grace, right? Uh, we will not do these things all well all the time. But God is faithful. And the person sitting beside you, hopefully, as a brother and sister in Christ, is faithful as well. And we only ever learn how to not be angry at the way that Jesus wants us and and, and to let go of lust of all things if we do it together. Let's pray. Joel, thank you for uh, these words today. Thank you that you came to fulfill the law, to shed light on it, to say, hey, I think you've got this part wrong, or you haven't got all of it. Lord, uh, anger, lust, broken relationships are, are hard to talk about uh, because we because they are so prevalent all around us, and the temptation to those things is constant Lord we ask for your strength for your spirit first we ask that your spirit would release us from the anger that we have been carrying around release us from overly wanting things that we do not have release us from viewing other people as objects to be Forgive us for our lack of love. Forgive us for our lack of faithfulness. Help us to learn each day to love you with our whole whole selves. And to learn to love and be faithful to our neighbors. In the same way that you have been faithful and loving towards us. pray this in Jesus' name. We receive the Lord's Supper, and uh, after we do, we do this as a as a reminder of God's grace, as a reminder of God's faithfulness, as a reminder of God's well refusal to let the anger fester. Because I'm sure it's hard to stay calm when you're getting nailed to a cross, right? there was some anger there. But Jesus was able to let it go. And it means our forgiveness. And it means our salvation.
0: Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.